Should we leave it there? Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it before because I can cut it wherever, right? Yeah. Um, but that's like a lot of highs and a lot of lows is a good place to leave off. Um, I've, I've still got it recording. Um, I'm trying to think how to cut, like, you know how we've got the the normal intro that we do every time. Yeah. I'm almost thinking that that might have to do some intro something. Oh, I see what you're saying, because we cut it. Um, well, what we could do is we don't have to actually do the intro. You could just do the music to character episode something, and then as soon as people hear us start talking, they'll understand that it's like a continuation of the previous episode. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm Ben Grenell, and this is Character. Episode 6, Brass Knuckles. They gave us, the, 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 gr- the group that was like giving us drugs to sell, they gave us all like weapons to use, basically. Like uh, I think Brad was given a knife... And I was given these like brass knuckle things. They weren't really, it wasn't really brass knuckles because it just was like a loop that went around my knuckles. I think the reason I got it was because it like fit my hand. And I just remember like it was engraved at one point. And like this story is really hard to tell because it's like really not like how, like, I don't know. I just don't want really, I never want people to know this stuff. So then it's just like, the engravings I remember had at one point the it was this was this was the the point at the end um these guys we were like trying to get money from these people and we were like beating this these two people and I had the knuckles that I was using and I guess it was dark really dark so we were like beating the these kids and because they didn't have the money that they owed the drug dealer that we were working for and I just remember the next day, like the, the gut feeling, like, I just felt like, like, I don't know if most people remember it, but when you're a kid and you do something really wrong or you upset your parents, you just feel terrified. Like your gut just hurts and you just feel really scared. So the next day when I like woke up and I I was just like, whatever, I picked up this knuckle thing and on the engraving on it, there was like crusted blood. I was just like done at that point. I was so done. I was just like, this is not for me. <laughs> I don't need this in my life. So at that point, it was like um, where it was like it wasn't really in Mickey involved. It was more like me and Brad and a, and a couple of couple of other kids that I didn't really know personally. And then I just kind of like was like done with it. And then Brad was still kind of in it, but he was more like. He didn't have anything to do with the drugs anymore. So that was like, yeah, I'm getting like shakes even thinking about it. That's, that's heavy, man. Like it's, uh, you can't not feel guilty when, when doing that kind of stuff, when you've got emotion, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I think it was definitely like, uh, almost like a, you know how most people talk about gangs 
And they're just like, it's a family. It's like, it's like people can take care of you. I can say that about something else, but I won't. And it's just like, I guess that's what it kind of felt like. It felt like, like people, like we were being told to do this stuff because like people cared about us. And it's like, nah, I didn't need that. Yeah, man, it's, uh, is it one of those things that you, you felt like somebody was pushing you to do it or was it like a social, um, like a social at acceptance sometimes, thing? At sometimes we would be, we would getting, we would be getting like, um, it'd be like that energy, right? Like when a kid is doing something wrong, um, and it's like, you don't know it's doing your, your, it's wrong. Like if you're making fun of a kid and you're laughing, you're having so much fun. It's like, Oh, Hey, it's, it can't be wrong. But later on when you've come down from that high, it's like, and like a teacher is like yelling at you. It's like, you knew it was wrong. That's kind of what it felt like is like when I came down from that high, I, I like just realized what was going on. I'm just like, this is like, I can't, this is not me. This is, I'm not doing this. Yeah, that's it's tough. It's there's the peer pressure part of it. There's sometimes there's the outside influence of, um, like the the person who's who might be older, who's like the I don't want to call it like the drug lord, but say the leader of the group, and you feel that pressure there because you're gonna feel like you're gonna get beat up otherwise if you don't follow through. But I mean, I know you, and I know that you've got empathy and emotion, so it's it's got to be tough as a kid to, to do something like that and feel regretful, but in the same breath, that gave you enough perspective on knowing that it was wrong that, like, you know, like, that was a pretty tough lesson for you to learn, but you definitely learned something from it, you know? Like, that, that you just, that was not your world. Yeah. Like... I just felt like the ever need to be, I think we just got too deep in this. Like uh, we needed money for drugs. So we would do whatever we could. And then I think they gave us an easy way out. It's like, you need drugs, you work for us, blah, blah, blah. You get money and you get drugs and whatnot. And then it just got progressively more and more like worse and worse. And then um, it's kind of, yeah, it got really crazy. Um, so that's basically where that ended. So at this point, Chris was in middle school. And as he referred to it, he started turning his life around a little bit and uh, getting things together when he was in grade 10. And around that same time, when he was 15 years old, he ended up getting kicked out of his grandpa's house. And with nowhere to go, he figured things out on his own. That was devastating. Um, it was a lot on my part, but also a lot on my grandfather's part. He was, like we've talked about it, he was not very in like a a good state of mind from all the divorce and me being a complete dumbass. Like, I used to come home high all the time, like high out of my face. And we'd have a conversation and he wouldn't even like, he wouldn't even question it. But when I came home sober is when he would question it. So it's like he got so used to be me being high and whatnot that when I'm actually myself is when he thinks I'm not like my actual self. That's how that's how bad it got. And then what led it like led to the event of you getting kicked out? 
Sorry, what was that? What led to the event of you getting kicked out? Oh, it was just like, so again, there's the Mennonite way of like always shuffling things under the, under the rug. Really, it really got to the point where I was, um, I'd be more outspoken about my own opinions is when skateboarding started to happen. So skateboarding was a huge thing for me. Like it was my passion. Um, I was pretty good at it for a kid. I, I only had like, I like had no skateboards growing up. I always had actually, after I got my first one that I snapped in half, I actually was riding Walmart skateboards for the longest time. Cause they were the best, cheapest board. My grandfather just didn't understand skateboarding at all. Like I was like, I tried to explain to him so many times, like I'm trying to progress in this thing. It's like, I haven't like, and, and as a kid, it's like, how do you express those kind of emotions? Like now I can kind of like get it out and express exactly what I wanted to say. But at the time it was just, it came out with just word mumbles and screams and like a bunch of, you don't understand me and stuff like that. So um, like that's, would start a lot of our fights would be because skateboards were expensive and I didn't understand at the time, like what things cost. It was like either we eat for a week or I buy a skateboard. Basically that's how it would work. Cause like it, boards were expensive. They're like $90 for grip and board. Even in the, the deal bin, those I never wanted a deal bin board because I wanted it to last. So um, they were expensive. So it was really hard for me to get one. Um, but yeah, like we would fight about this all the time and we'd have screaming matches and he would wind up to hit me, but he would never hit me. So it was just like, we would just didn't get along and everything. And then I was just like, I always told him, I'm like, what are you going to do when I'm 18? Like, I'm going to leave and I'm never going to come back. And like, he would just like, shut up because he know he knew that I could do that. And that would, ha- that'd probably happen. And like, we just got a into this huge all these arguments all the time and then she's just like leave just leave just leave so i did and chris finally left his grandpa's house no one in his family seemed to know and no one really seemed to care either so it was chris on his own relying on his tight group of friends to help him get things sorted out until he found stability again I packed up some stuff, I grabbed my board, and I skated around for a long time. And I I slept on people's couches, like I slept at Scott's house. I think I even slept at Mickey's house because his mom was away, so I slept on the couch. Um, but I couldn't stay at these places well, as a kid. So, like, what was Scott's mom saying? Because obviously she knew she's home, or Scott's parents are home, and you like you're not having a sleepover on a Wednesday night. The weird thing about Scott's parents is they never questioned anything. So Scott's room was in the basement and there was a door that came into the house that went down to the basement and then went up the other way went upstairs. And we basically were in and out of that house so often cuz Scott has has two sisters and a brother as well. So they were like I don't know, the mom was a stay-at-home mom and it was a again a Mennonite family. And like they never questioned anything Scott did ever. Like we would, we would have sleepovers, and we were like in and out of that house at like three in the morning. We were skateboarding up and down the street. It was like we were just we just did whatever we wanted. 
They didn't on, say a thing. Ever. On like on school nights, you were doing this. Like on school nights, we would go. I remember the like the the June bugs. I guess they're June bugs because I don't think they're cockroaches. But behind Bigway Foods, because Scott's house was right, right across from Bigway Foods, and that's where the lights were. So we would go outside. And we would skateboard behind Bigway Foods, and we would do tricks, and we'd crush these June bugs under our wheels because there were so many of them. Uh, it was just they just didn't care. We would do whatever we wanted. <laughs> so they they probably just didn't care. Probably just Chris is sleeping over for a, a little while. And uh, I don't even think Scott would even have to tell them. Like they wouldn't even know. The only time that Scott's mom would come downstairs would go to the pantry. And Scott had bunk beds in his room. For what reason, I don't know, because he was the only one that slept in there. Dude, I, I got to admit something to you. Hmm. I had bunk beds until I was like 30 years old. I fucking Damn. love bunk beds. I love the bunk beds. Bunk beds are sweet. I, I, <laughs> I hit the bunk beds. So <laughs> we got to digress for a sec because this is okay. so good. So my, so yeah. my brother and I had bunk beds when we were kids, and I just really liked the bunk bed. We had this sweet red metal bunk bed, and I always had like the top bunk, and he had the bottom. And then when I was like 16, I I got a new room. It was in the basement. Like our basement was never finished. And the basement got finished with drywall, and it was all done nicely. And so... My parents were like, Kate, you can pick out whatever furniture you need, like get a bed and get a desk. That's, well, that's all they got. But um, they're like, yeah, get whatever you want. So we went searching around for beds. Go down to the children's store where they sell cribs. It was called like Friendly Bears Furniture at that time. And they had this sweet like matte blue metal bunk bed with the futon on the bottom. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's the one. So from the time I was like 16 until I was 30 years old, I rocked a bunk bed, and I freaking love it. That's sweet. Yeah. Like, I actually, um, when me and Britt were moving out, we were contemplating getting, like, a bank bunk bed type of bed, but, like, no bottom bunk. It was just, like, a bed on stilts. So we could, like, have a desk or a chair or something underneath it. Is it, like, a clown bunk bed or something? Like, a freaking... <laughs> A bed that's got, like, extra tall legs? Yeah, it's just so you could have, like, a desk underneath, just because we were looking at places that were pretty small. Oh, so we're like, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, save room. Use uh, this I thought you meant room. it was just some weird, like, new no. style of bed. Extra <laughs> tall. No. That's funny. I like that. So, dude, you were, like, you're couch surfing. Mm-hmm. You're at... Scott's house, you're at Brad's house, you're going around, like, kind of, what happened? Like, you're in high school, and there's got to be a point where you got your own place, or you had some stability, I'm assuming. I did have some stability, and that's where my Oma and my aunt came in. Um, um, what happened was, I guess my grandfather didn't tell them. So... Um, then what happened was I went over there cause I was hungry. Like I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I had a job at some point. Um, when I was living with my grandfather, I got fired from it. It was Dairy Queen. If anybody wants to know, um, that's a funny story. Um, but I remember going there to eat all the time 
And my Oma never questioned it or my aunt never questioned it because she's like, I used to go there all the time and just eat. Like I, I wasn't even like, oh, can I come over for dinner? It was no after school. Like I'd go there and sometimes like I wouldn't like, you know, I wouldn't go home. I would do stay there and like eat. Then I do my homework, which I never did. And I just play video games. Um, so then what happened eventually is like I got fed up with trying to find places to sleep. So I just stayed there all the time. So eventually it became a thing where I just lived there with, there was no question. There was no like, do you want to stay here? Or like, do you want to stay at home? Blah, blah, blah. I guess maybe my grandfather talked to them and I just eventually just stayed there. And your mom was in jail at this point? Um, nope. Nope. Um, I don't know where she was. Um, I don't know what happened there. This would have been like, Wait, what? I was like 15. I'm not quite sure where she was at this point. So she, like, you're off on your own. Your mom doesn't even know that you're, you don't have a roof over your head. Yeah, my my mom wasn't a part of my life. You're, was, you're hungry. Yeah. And you're still going to school every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, like, uh, dude, this is, this is what I don't get. You were, you had every opportunity. Like so many kids hate school, right? I mean, I was, I was a bad student. I just wasn't a good student. That's because I didn't apply myself and I was interested in doing other things. Um, I'm not suggesting that I by any means wanted to drop out, but you hear of so many kids that are like, oh, if I could just drop out and they just don't have the opportunity. You had, not only did you have every opportunity, you had the arrows pointing in your favor to not even get your GED. Yeah. Um. Like, how how did you, this is what I don't understand about you. How did you, like, how, like how did you get up every morning and you're just like, yep, yeah, I'm going to school. Like, what, what what made you go to school? You know what's funny about that is that was totally my grandfather. He, um, he's also the reason why I finished school, but, um, he drilled it into my head. Like I couldn't even stay home from school sick, even if I was dying. So like I had to go to school when I was a kid every day and I was terrified of him. Like I thought he was like going to kill me if I didn't go to school, not, not actually kill me, but like just be really mad at me. And so when I was little, like really little, let me tell you, man, was I a crier. I would cry at everything. Every little problem or something that I didn't like or something happened to me, I was crying. Um, probably why I don't cry anymore. I mean, I did all the crying when I was a kid. So, like, I always remember that feeling of, of, of being scared of my grandfather. Um, and... So I, I think that's what got me to go to school. And also, all my friends went to school. So, like, what was I going to do all day if I had no friends around? Like, I hung out with all my friends all the time after school. So that's basically why I went to school. I mean, I actually almost did drop out at one point. But I went back and finished high school. So, like, I did go to school, but I wasn't really there mentally. 
because I would fail classes left and right. Um, in middle school, I failed grade nine, uh, a couple classes of grade nine, and then um, I went to summer school, which was freaking awesome, by the way. Man, summer school is some easy stuff. I don't see how sending a kid to summer school is actually helping them at all. Like summer school was a joke for me. It, I, I certainly hope it changed by now because I had an exam, not a test, an exam about um, reciting O Canada, grade nine social studies. I was blown away. So by this point, it's quite apparent that there were lots of things about Chris's life that weren't necessarily the most conventional as he grew up as a kid and into middle school and high school. But then there are other things that were pretty typical. He gave teachers a hard time, he cheated, he wasn't the greatest student, but he showed up for class. Uh, the math teacher, I remember his name, Mr. Tram. And I remember the specific day when um, we gave him hell. Like, I remember it was me and this bow guy that later we started a band called Lawn Gnome Go Home. And then this girl named Crystal Beckering, who's cute as hell. Um, we gave this math teacher hell. And there was one day where um, we were doing trigonometry. And for some reason, trig was so easy to me. Like, I could figure out trig like it was nothing. Probably not now, but then I could do trig and I showed him up. I showed him like I'm, he did something on the board and I was like, no, that's wrong. And then when I did it and then everybody else was like, and then he's like, no, you're wrong. And the whole class was like, no, Chris is right. And then he was so upset that he left and it was like 10 minutes into the, to the class. He quit that year. He was no longer a teacher after that year. I don't know if that was because of me or he just didn't want to be a teacher anymore. But yeah, my, my schooling was, um, was really awful. I probably didn't learn anything from high school and middle school. Like, anything. Because in French class, we had this thing where we had to write an, uh, an essay and then bring it in. Uh, we'd work on it in class, and it was uh, we'd work on it at home as well. And it was for an exam, like the final exam for French. And this was like grade 9. And what I did was I took a floppy disk and I ripped it apart and I spun the little plastic filmy thing upside down and I put it back together. So when I went to class to hand in my exam, I handed her the disk like everybody else did because it was on a floppy disk. And when she tried to put it in the computer to open it to get the files, it wouldn't work. And the thing is, she said that she saw me working on it in class and I told her that my computer got a virus and we had to reformat and erase everything. So she said that she saw me doing it in class. So she was just going to give me a mark based on that, which was a pretty high mark. So I basically cheated my way through a, a French exam that I never even started. You were thinking creatively, though, about how to, how to win, how to get it done with as how little to... effort as possible. Yeah, uh, even I wouldn't even say little effort. I mean, it took me a while to think about think up these things, right? So I probably could have done it legitimately. Um, yeah, it probably took you longer. Probably did. Uh, also, I never did any homework. 
um, not a single thing of homework was done by me. So when I passed classes, it was around like 50s, 60s because of the whole never doing homework thing. Um, yeah, I just, I literally cheated my way through middle school, all well, the end of middle school and through high school. What happened on the last day of high school? Like there are all these tidbits that in our absence of talking, you'll say one thing and then you'll say, oh, something happened with this. And I'm like, hey, don't say anything more. I know you said something happened on the last day of high school. <laughs> so I'm not proud of this by all means. This was really awful. Um, it was not, it was just a terrible thing to do. We didn't. Well, okay, I'll tell it. So basically, the last day of high school, me and Sheen, me and Sheen have been were have been best friends since grade eight. We've been we were introduced by Scott, and we ever since then we were inseparable. Most people thought we were gay. My grandfather thought I was gay until I moved back to the city after I was in Gimli. That's for a future. And um, so me and Sheen are walking down the halls. It's our last day of high school. Well, his last day of high school. And, um, we're just, I think it was a free period or something. And we walked by this room and it was a special ed room. Um, so, and we saw in this room, they had like, s like pop beyond pop and like snacks, like they had cake and they had cookies. And we were just like, I didn't even remember the thought process between this, but we're just like, I think we're just like, why did, why is that happening? Like, not even thinking of the repercussions that they possibly could have saved up for this, or it was a special occasion for something. We went in there and we literally like took what we could take. So we took like cans of pop and like we took cookies and we took cake. We didn't take the whole cake, but we took cake and we just took all this stuff and we just had this feast on this stolen special ed party that I guess was going to happen. It was freaking terrible. I don't think about it. Yeah, that's uh, you know what though. No, nah, there's no justification on that one. That one's pretty terrible. No, there's sometimes it's not about justifying things, man. It's like we all do terrible things, right? Like you don't mean to do terrible things at the time, but what we rationalize is like in our own minds, we're like, yeah, this is acceptable. When you think back about it after, you're like, that was so stupid, and you feel guilty about it, and you feel bad, but the fact that you feel guilty is is the important thing, and you recognize it's wrong, right? Like, it's when doing the act is bad, recognizing that it wasn't probably the best thing to do is important, though, right? Like, yeah. it's, we, we're humans. Nobody's perfect. We all do things that aren't great right like that's just the way it is in life like there are things that you ask you ask a lot of kids there are things that and adults things that they do and they just like yeah that was not a good idea yeah um i'm not afraid to admit to my faults and the things that i've done i don't think anybody should be but they're, they're, they are embarrassing they may sway the way people look at you um but this situation um Nobody noticed. Nobody even noticed that stuff was gone. There was so much that I guess they no one ever said anything. Um, we 
we kind of like were passive aggressive about it afterwards and they we when we came back to the school because what we would do is we would skateboard at at river east because it had a three stair man was i disappointed when i moved back to the city that it was gone they destroyed the three stair the my famous growing up three stair with a freaking just like a sheet of asphalt i was so mad um anyway but we would skate that after school every day almost every day and like the school doors were still open because of like you know the the school usually doesn't close until a certain time um for like people at the gym or, or in the gym or extra activities or whatever so we like we went back and like we went we were skateboarding and we went inside and we looked in like the room and they were all in there just people students and and teachers just having fun and i guess like the stuff that we took i guess nobody even noticed it was taken because they just looked like they were having fun everybody was looked like they had their fair share of of pop and stuff there's still tons of pop left over so like i don't that's not a just justification of like make like whatever but it did make us feel better at the time and i guess that's what it was was to to make us make ourselves feel better about what we had done we never admitted it to anybody this is probably the first time that we've actually admitted to doing it or that i've admitted that we did it um well chris friesen i don't think you're going to jail for it yeah yeah i hope not uh, there's a lot of other things i guess that i've done that i probably could have gone to jail for From what Chris describes, his high school days were a little bit more in line with some of the things that other students would have done during high school. He stopped doing drugs, he stopped drinking, and he tried to clean up his act. But the problem that he faced was that he always had these inner demons pulling at him from his childhood, where... He knew he'd been exposed to certain things earlier than most kids had, and it made him think differently about the world. It really gave him a different perspective in the way that he looked at his future and how his life might unfold. I feel like my high school years were a little bit more tame. And then, like, one day I was like, I need a job because I, like, I need money. I don't know where I thought this. I think my my grandfather's like, you need a job. You need to start saving money for your future. And I'm like, future? What future? I'm going to end up in jail or dead. Um, That's honestly what I thought, though, growing up, that I thought I wasn't going to have a future, so I was probably going to either end up in jail like my mom or die. That's That was my mentality for most of my life. Um, Like, you actually thought that you felt that that was those were like the only two options that's what i felt was my only two options that is how i like i don't think anybody took me seriously when i was a kid when i'd say it but like when people asked me about like the future like friends or something like that i always said i'm either going to be dead or i'm going to end up in jail and i don't no one ever took it seriously so like how old were you at this time um, this was probably like later, like the drug era of being a kid. Like I was like way worse as a kid as then I was when I was like middle age, like tween almost like I was freaking evil. Um, it's so weird, man, that like some kids will start discovering booze and pot and all that when they're whatever age right like when they get into yeah. their early teens 
but you stopped smoking pot or didn't stop but you you cooled down it sounds like on smoking pot and drinking and all these things when you reached that age like you you had yeah. everything happen to you so prematurely that your revelation came at the time when everyone else was starting yeah it was really weird like grade 10 right at grade 10 when i started school no weed no alcohol no anything like it was like you see 17 year olds or like 16 year olds having house parties with their friends getting drunk that was me when i was a kid like when did you start drinking like when did that go down oh man this this like i was thinking about this we were talking about things today and i was thinking about this I started drinking really early. I can't remember what how old exactly I was, but I remember being at Mickey's house in his basement with Devin. And it, we were having a sleepover there. And his sister, his older sister, uh, her name was Kelly, she had friends over. She was older than us. Must have been probably high school at this point, maybe middle school. And she had friends over, and they had all brought alcohol. And they were like, Mickey's sister, Mickey's sister was like a shit disturber beyond hell. First of all, she was the one that she really wanted to teach me how to do a blowjob so I could show my girlfriend at the time. I mean, I was a kid and she also introduced me to, um, (laughs) horror movies and porn. (laughs) When you were like eight? Yeah. When I was like a kid. So she was not a good influence on us, (laughs) but. We we made our decisions to do it ourselves. So there was like her her friends were drinking downstairs, and we were listening uh, through the ventilation uh, to hear when they were going to leave, because when they were leaving, we were just going to try to drink booze. But I guess they knew we were listening somehow. I guess they heard us talking because Mickey's sister came up and was like, "Hey, when we leave, you guys can drink booze. Like you can have some of the booze." And we're like, "Okay." So I don't know how this is my our first thing with alcohol. I remember when I was really young, my grandfather was had some people over and he's like, I'm like, what's that? And he's like, it's beer. And I tried it and it was so gross. I never thought I was going to try beer again, like every kid. And then, um, yeah, so Mickey's sister goes out with her friends. I have no idea where they go. And we just pound back this alcohol. Like they had, I I remember too, because I still don't drink this beer to this day. Like I refuse to drink it. They had Moosehead, they had Sourpuss, uh, and I think they had vodka. But I I only remember the Sourpuss and Moosehead. We took that like Mickey of Sourpuss. We chugged the shit out of that Mickey. Like it was gone. It was like maybe two sips out of it. We chugged the whole thing, the three of us. Um, and then we went on to beer. Uh, we started drinking beer and Mickey, holy shit. I, it's like a really strange thing to see people in a strange state, but he was just mad, like super mad. And then we're like, we like, I'm at this point, I'm a scaredy cat still. Like when I was a kid, I was always a scaredy cat, the crier. So I'm like trying to calm him down. And, and then Devin's like trying to grab the beers from him. And Mickey starts throwing beer bottles at Devin. And like his unfinished basement, and he's up against the wall, so these beer bottles are smashing everywhere, and like it was just a really, really like intense situation of like the first drinking, where like these three kids are like hammered, well at least what we thought was hammered probably were though, and like 
beer bottles smashing. And the problem was, is we drank pretty much all of their booze. So when they came back from wherever they were, they were pissed. And like Mickey's sister kind of stuck up for us and was like, I told them they could. And then like, they all were super mad at her and then they left. And then, um, I think Mickey's mom was out of town. So then, then like, she took care of us, but we're like, all of us were puking. And so that's my, um, first experience with alcohol. You guys are lucky that there wasn't anything bad that happened. Like being so small and just consuming so much alcohol, like you could have had serious alcohol poisoning and like, you yeah. wouldn't have had, you wouldn't have known what was going on. Like now as, like when you become a young adult, if you want to call it that, um, people know when when somebody's not in a good state. Like if yeah, you're like, if you're getting sick and uh, everything's coming up, people know if if it's pretty serious. Uh, whether or not like the right course of action is taken is a different story. But when you're a kid, like you'd have no clue that, that that's going to happen, and then the fact that like. Mickey's sister was still taking care of you guys and it could have been dangerous, man. People could die from that. And it's, that's scary. That's way more scary than smoking pot or cigarettes. Like smoking pot, nothing's going to happen to you, right? Like, no big deal. Burn your lips or something, burn your hand probably, but that's about it. Alcohol is dangerous though. Alcohol is very dangerous. Yeah. And, uh, so that's like, yeah, that began our alcoholism as kids because, um, growing up, like from there on onward, when Mickey's mom went away on business trips, um, we would go there, all of us, and we would just get hammered and Mickey's sister would be the one to buy us the alcohol. And like Brad, I remember Brad specifically, there's a, so his mom's sewing room, he would drink so much every time that he would puke all over his mom's sewing room and he'd be like sleeping in his own puke. And at the time, it's like you're not scared. Like you, you think that like it's partying, and he's puking. But really, when you when you when you look back on it, he's laying in his own puke. Like he he could have been dying, but we didn't like see it that way. Like he we didn't think about that if he was on his back and he puked, he could be he could drown on his own puke. We just thought about partying, right? No, dude. It, no one knows. No one knows yeah. when you're a kid. No one knows, and it is dangerous. Alcohol is, dude, alcohol is so dangerous. Like, it's, for young kids to be doing that, it's it's just dangerous. And yeah. when you're young, like, I mean, I'm, I'm 36 years old, and the executive function in my brain still doesn't work too well. I'll be the first to admit it. So there are times when I don't make the best decisions. Um, that's that's the nature of, of doing idiotic things, but you still try to do things that, that make sense when you're a kid, like your executive function definitely does not work. So you wouldn't even know that that's wrong or dangerous and you don't know how to act upon it. Yeah. It's, it was kind of crazy. Like we'd have parties, like there was one time, um, this is when I realized that it was kind of a problem was when Brad's girlfriend at the time, we were all sitting in Mickey's living room, the and he had two couches, both facing each other with uh, like a coffee table, and then at the end of the coffee table was the TV. We were, it was like shortly like after supper or something like that, and we're just sitting there, Mickey's mom's home, and his girlfriend was super hammered, 
and she just like projectile vomits this like red liquid all over into the uh, coffee table. We still can't. We don't understand how it happened. The door to the coffee table is closed, but she like projectile vomits, and all the puke goes into this thing and um, nowhere else. So like when Mickey's mom comes by to see what's going on, like just check them on us. There's no puke anywhere. We all look pretty okay except for her. She kind of looked pretty pretty green. But so like we opened up the door and like we just cleaned up the puke inside this coffee table. It was, it was the weirdest thing. But yeah, like that's when we kind of like realized like some people had problems like getting drunk like that on a normal day. <laughs> it's pretty bad. What do you mean a normal day? Like this is like we an after school this. activity or like I can't even remember the what we were doing, but it was just like a bunch of us hanging out and like she was just hammered. Like you didn't reserve your inebriation for the weekends. No, no. <laughs> no. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> the some of these things, man, it's just like when when you're telling the story the way that I think about it and I compare it to some stories that I might know or might have experienced, I've got my own mental model of of what it means, right? So we're talking about drinking and I picture, first of all, I got to get it through my head that you're super young. Like I keep forgetting that you were super young, but assume you're a teenager and you're drinking and you're doing whatever. I keep thinking that it's like a special day on the weekend. Like it's like one weekend now and again. These are like school days you're talking about. Yeah. Just like, and this at this time, I guess this would be like, um, this would probably be, be like uh, middle school though. So it'd be like when the entire crew was a pretty shit crew, like a pretty bad group of people. So it's like, yeah, like some of these people, I still. Um, no, like the guy that we used to buy drugs off at one point, he lived, he lives across from my, never mind. He lives somewhere now. <laughs> it's just, um, it's kind of crazy. What, you know where this guy lives? Yeah. Like we, I've, and his wife of two that has, he, they have two kids. I've known her since kindergarten. And so this guy, and this guy's still around, like this guy would know you. Oh yeah, like we run into each other at the grocery store all the time. We just say hi. We weren't, we haven't talked. It's like one of those things where you're friends when you're kids, but you haven't seen each other in like a decade, so you're not really friends anymore. So it's just like in passing, like hey, kind of deal. And he's the same age as you. Yeah, we're the same age. Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about the creepy old neighborhood guy that used to sell you pot when you were a kid. No, no, I'm pretty sure he's in jail or dead. I have no idea. I haven't seen him in so long. That, that, by the way, that local um, bully that used to beat us up. Yeah, he is in jail. He's in jail. How do you keep up with all this stuff? Like, how do you? Where do you hear from? Oh, well, when I moved back to the city, I just wanted to, like, you know, reminisce on like old times. So. I would walk down the streets that I remembered and I'd 
contact people that I used to know and we used to have conversations and like Mickey moved he didn't no longer lived on that street that we grew up on and um this girl that I crushed on really hard I met later in life and it was weird because we thought we were gonna like maybe start hanging out and like maybe have kind of a, a more than just friend relations but that never happened and it was just uh yeah it was just it was just weird when I came back and I found it's just like found out all of this stuff about certain people and like how everything's changed and how much I missed while I was gone like I was gone for a while like a couple of years and like I became a different person and it was just a crazy thing well it sounds like we're pretty much at the point where you were in Gimli almost almost there you might have to pick up at uh at Gimli next week. Yeah, that's it's gonna be funny. Again, major changes. Like we haven't even we haven't quite finished um, certain parts, but yeah, Gimli is major changes. Again, again, major changes with um, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I was walking down the street the other day and this man had on this plush overcoat. Looked like artisanal, organic, New Zealand lamb's wool. It was freaking amazing. And when I saw that, I just, I had no doubt in my mind that that was probably from F Apparel. That's ephapparel.com. Check them out. They do overcoats, they do suits. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do. Like, you can get a suit for a baby. I got a suit for a baby once. It was for my little nephew. It was awesome. I think, actually, it matched my suit for my wedding. It was sweet. If you need a baby suit, if you just want dress pants because you want to look slick for your next date, if you just want a pea coat so that you can look like Sherlock Holmes, they'll hook you up. EPHapparel.com. Enter promo code CHARACTER. Get 20% off your next order. Production assistance by Samurai Guitarist. Go check him out on YouTube. Uh, he's got millions of views. Like, the guy has has millions and millions of views on his videos. He, uh, he produces some of the best content out there in the guitar world. Um, subscribe to his page. I can promise that he will provide you with some seriously valuable content. He takes a lot of time... To, to produce the videos that he does and there's a reason why he gets gets so much good feedback from the internet um, he's the kind of guy who can blow up a reddit feed like nobody's business So, uh, and that's just strictly from people commenting on the stuff he does but make sure you subscribe and uh, check out Samurai Guitarist on YouTube uh, appreciate it, appreciate all the help he's given us 
this week's music by Delicate Beats, the intro and outro music. Theme music by Me and Molly, meandmollymusic.com. Song is called Disappear. Make sure you go check them out on iTunes. Uh, check them out on Spotify. You can buy their record, support them, review it, show them some love, and uh, we're going to keep dropping episodes each week, so stay tuned. That's the way it's going down. <laughs>